Welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Corey. And I'm Shanik. And we're so glad that you're joining us wherever you are. We've got a good show for you today, but if you haven't already, go leave a review on Apple Podcasts, star us, like us, subscribe, all that things, whatever. Yeah, and I said Do last it. week or the week before that Spotify now is open for reviews, but I just checked and it's rating so far. And we actually got 21 five-star ratings. So go. thank you so much. Do it. And as soon as it's open to leave a review, if you listen on Spotify, please do that. Do it. Well, today... We got a good episode, but first, question of the week. We're mm-hmm. talking about family. What's the best family memory that you have growing up? I know you asked me this right before we uh, went to record. Honestly, there are so many memories that kept popping up, but I don't necessarily have a favorite memory. So what I'm going to share is just that what I thought about in all of the memories with my family is that no matter what event it was, what day it was, what time it was, I just remember my parents always being there, whether it was a sporting event, a school event, something personal I had going on. My parents were just always present there, available to help. And I would say that's probably the memory that I carry the most. And it's what I guess was modeled for me and what I want to be, you know, um, walking out with my kids. That's pretty incredible, actually. That's Daryl Linda, if you're listening, kudos to you. Yeah. Amazing. I'm appreciative of my parents for sure. See, I love my parents. My parents are great people. And some of my favorite family memories are my dad built an outdoor skating rink in our backyard every winter. And that's like one of like my- Like with a water hose? Oh, dude, he would build Like it I don't up. know what you're talking about. He'd build it up with- Snow? Uh, no, you'd have like wooden walls and then a tarp and then you'd fill it with water and you'd have to go out and make sure everything was smooth. Then you'd have to, uh, yeah, it, it was an art. I guess he paid attention in yeah. geometry or whatever. That's actually and awesome. It was awesome. Well, because it has to be completely level. Because yeah. like water, it flows, right, to whatever yeah. is the lowest spot. And so to actually have something that you put out and it freezes like it that, out. it's level, that's kudos to you, And yeah, Our Darrell. whole family would go out and skate and have a great time all winter long. And yeah, I love it. My, my family, also, I love one of my memories when I think about like my childhood is I just remember eating dinner together as a family. I know that didn't happen probably every night. But when I think about it, that did happen a lot. And that's something that Julie and I are trying to instill into our kids. So there's kudos to Nancy, because I know she's going to be like, why'd you talk about my dad or your dad building the ice <laughs> rink and not give a shout out to me? Mom, yeah, way you're to amazing both too. Of them we in love there. you. I love it. <laughs> so what are we talking about? So new year, new you. We're talking about Rabbi Daniel Lappin's five Fs. This week, we're talking about family. Got and it. this can be a potentially major controversial topic for some of you. I know that there's all kinds of people that are listening that had different experiences within your family. Um, I know I've been challenged a lot around fatherhood and family gatherings, not just my personal family that I'm I'm growing with Julia, but my extended family and extended family beyond that. Right. And Julia's family. Yeah, Yeah. There's just a lot and I get it. And now in this counseling world, there's a lot of family issues and, and traumas that happen in people's lives because of family, things that were uh, well-meaning that were taken the wrong way, some abuse stories that are happening. Every every one of us have yeah. unique family experiences. Yeah, exactly. And I want you to really speak real quick to uh, something you actually challenged me with, and it was very thought-provoking, and I loved it because I, of course, have a lot of titles. Matter of fact, everyone has a lot of titles you probably haven't even set long enough to think about. Like for me, I'm a son, a brother, an uncle, a cousin, a husband, a dad, a pastor, like a vice president of a chair, like committee. But like I have all these like titles, yeah. but I remember you said there was actually only one of those titles 
that like I will always have because yeah. the rest of them come and go. So speak to that for just a few minutes. Yeah, the only unique leadership role that you will ever have is that of, for you specifically, as a father. And all the other leadership roles you'll be replaced in, you know. Or and, potentially and could be replaced. Potentially could be replaced. And you will never lose that title. And that is really challenging to where we are in our parenting, but really ultimately we're two dudes. So we're going to talk about fathering is I, I remember you said it multiple years ago in our uh, kingdom series, you said you're calling and you unpacked this just a couple of weeks ago that everyone's calling is just to love people. Like sure you have passions, but everyone's calling is the same to right. love people well, wherever you are, but your calling is defined by the fruit that it provides to the kingdom, but your family is included in that kingdom. And so ultimately we have to look at it from this lens that if, if there is fruit in your ministry, but starvation in your marriage and within your family, then you are doing life wrong. And that's yeah. a thought provoking statement. Yeah. I know there was a question that a lot of older pastors would always ask me. They said, are you sacrificing your family on the altar of ministry? And yeah. that was one of the things that always stuck with me. Like I never want to be so busy, like ministering to other families, other people, other kids, or whatever the case may be through counseling or helping shepherd as a pastor. I never want to be more consumed with that than I am walking out that in my own family. For sure. And so, yeah, that's always, I've always been mindful of that. Yeah. And for you, you, it might not necessarily be like church vocational ministry, but okay, your job. But everybody is in ministry. Yeah. Everybody's All in ministry. All it means is just to serve and you are called and because I said you're called to love, you're serving. Yeah. So everybody, you are in ministry for listening to this podcast. But Everyone I meant that is. specifically in like your job. Like, are you uh, growing your company to this Got incredible it. fruit but there's starvation within your marriage and your family. You can think of it in your own context. And really, that's hopefully good. that's challenging to you. Uh, I was at a conference a couple of years ago and they were talking about family stuff and they brought up like these two ideas that are kind of like on opposite ends of the spectrum, but they weren't talking about how either one of them is good. And they were specifically talking again about church ministry within your family. And the one idea is, are you raising a church going family? And the speaker was talking about how this is really just shallow in his opinion. And the other side of the argument is, oh, I'd rather just be influencing the next generation. And then he said, but that thought process is just an idea because influencing or influencing the next generation, especially your children to follow Jesus really happens by setting an example, by following Jesus yourself, not just taking them to church, not just going through the motions of what we think good Christian spirituality looks yeah, like. I see. So yeah. it's not necessarily if I want to influence the next generation as I'm focused on myself and how I live and how I act, that is going to be an influence on someone. Yeah. Is that what? Yeah, for I sure. Because in this generation, at least for me, you know, as a millennial and then this next Gen Z, there's a lot of people that aren't really passionate about church attendance, so to speak. And I know you, you'll go to a conference and you'll talk about, oh, we got to get the, the kids in the church. And it's like, I get it. I get the conversation. But are you taking them to a church that's actually life-giving? Or in other words, has the church actually impacted your parents' lives? Because I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with young people, uh, even my age, in young 30s, 20s, teenagers. They're like, yeah, I understand this idea of church, and I know it's, it's kind of good, but church really doesn't affect my parents. We come as a family, but my parents are jerks in how they live and how they operate. Yeah. And that's really thought provoking yeah. if you think about it. The whole thing like do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. And so I'm going to tell you, you need to come to church, but I'm going to live a complete kind of opposite way from the lessons we're learning and the messages of Jesus. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. And for real. So 
yeah, family dynamics. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about some family dysfunction. Let's talk about some family boundaries. I love quotes. There's a lot of quotes that are misquoted right. by our society. Give us that first one. Yeah. So we always hear blood is thicker than water mm-hmm. and it's a call to like take up for family, no matter what, like family's the most important thing. And I'm not going to argue that family isn't very important and maybe the most important thing, but even when family's wrong or even when family does something, you need to be there and have their back and walk through crap together with them because blood is thicker than water. You always have family, but actually you taught me this and I didn't know that, but the actual quote is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Hmm. So actually when you come into covenant with someone and you create that type of relationship, that bond of the covenantal relationship, whether it be family or not, that covenantal bond with a friend or coworker, whoever that may be with, or your spouse is a covenant relationship that needs to be thicker than the water of the womb. That relationship might need to be more important than maybe some of your family relationships. So it's crazy how that quote is now misquoted in today's world. And the quote actually means the opposite of how people use it. Right. Because the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. In other words, the covenants you make with people, the friendships that you have can be thicker than blood relationship which bananas oh someone just told me that i say bananas a lot on this podcast and i just did say it now i'm conscious of it it's okay and there's so many triggers can we talk about triggers for a minute yeah let's do it because i have noticed especially around the conversation of boundaries Hmm. and i believe in boundaries boundaries are one of those things that yes you need to have boundaries within your friendships but i've been talking more and more with people about boundaries within their family And I believe in it, and I think that there needs to be boundaries. But I think we also need to talk about how sometimes those boundaries can be used as a crutch to avoid actually doing the hard work. And so, yeah, let's talk about this. There are some triggers that happen. I'll just be honest, within my own family. There's dynamic relationships, right? You you grew up with these people, and I'll, I'll even share some of my perspective on how I do it wrong to a degree there's some conversations that are had within my family. Even to this day, I'm 35 years old. I haven't lived at home since 18, like full time. There was a six month period, a transition period when I was 24 that I lived at home. But I haven't even lived with most of my brothers even before that, because they went to college. And so we have this very limited perspective of each other. Granted, we get together once a year. We see each other from afar on social media. We talk occasionally. But there have been comments and conversations where one of the brothers will get accused of something and and we attach it to them. But that thing applied 20, 30 years ago and they've changed drastically. And so it's one of these things where we get together and I'll just use it for an example. They'll they'll call me lazy because I was lazy in high school, lazy and growing up. And it wasn't really laziness if you look at it. It it was always around our chores. They would always make fun of me for the fact that I didn't do my chores well and that Brett always had to come in from behind and do my chores for me, redo them. And they'll make fun of me for that. Oh, you're so lazy, blah, blah, blah. One, that happened years ago, nearly 20, 30 years ago. Two, I figured out a system actually. I was going to say, you were just trying to find the loophole. I found the loophole. (laughs) I knew that Brett would come through and redo my chores. And there was not really a consequence. At least I don't remember a consequence for it. Right. So why wouldn't I half-ass my chores if I knew my brother was going to do it for me and do it well, do it to mom's standards, and then I just got this label. But if you come to my house today, my house, I'm pretty anal about how clean it is because it's now mine. And no one's going to come 
behind and do, redo my chores for me. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. And so it's like you get this attachment and it's like, man, I've, I've grown out of that. I'm one of the most hardest working people, I think, in, in my area. You know what I mean? Like, and so it used to be this trigger for me where I'd get so, you know, beat up. Oh, okay, got to put these boundaries around these family members. And then I just learned that those triggers will probably happen. And that's, that's not on my brothers to work with. That's not their problem. That's my problem. Yeah. Because if I'm being triggered by my family, that's some root issues that, that you still have to, deal I still with. have to deal with. Yeah. And I recognize that there's still some aspects of my life that I am lazy in. And maybe I need to go into and address those childhood traumas, work on those traumas so that they don't become traumas that impact my life today. And so, yes, I believe in boundaries. And I think that sometimes a boundary includes you taking space and time away from your family to a degree, whatever that looks like. But in that space and time, I think it's really important for you to be working on yourself so that you're not affected by those triggers. Right. Uh, because some people, again, like I said, use this boundary conversation as a crutch to lean on instead of doing the hard work because it is hard work to work on yourself. Yeah, it's so hard to work on yourself. And you know me, I am a big boundaries guy, especially after going through TLP, reading the book Boundaries by um, John Townsend and Henry Cloud. I see the importance of it and especially for that time and that space. But you're so right. Like if, you, if you're not working on yourself, then I think you need a different issue or a different um, thing to actually help you in your life other than a boundary. Yeah. Because here's the thing, in that situation, most people, and here's what I don't like about boundaries. Most people, they want to choose to put up a boundary, but in their mind, the boundary is burning a bridge rather than building a fence. And what I mean by that is, of course, they just want to cut off all relationship, never to see that person, never to talk to that person, because there's something in that person that triggers me. But then they can just move on because they never have to do life or to see or to talk to that person ever again in their life. And so then they think if the removal of that person is in place, then that's the that's the health. That's the that's the goal. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be fine. But they never really did the hard work on themselves. What triggers them because of that person. And so if you look at it more like putting up a fence and you ask me, well, isn't putting up a fence the same thing? Well, if you think about it in context, every single fence that is put up, I would say 100% of the time, I'm thinking of like putting a fence up in your backyard to create a boundary. There is 100% of time a gate. That gate allows you to walk out. That gate allows someone else to come in. Maybe there's a project going on that you need to bring in things for. And so you still have access at a point mm -hmm. where you allow room for potential relationship. Maybe the gate's closed for a season. Maybe the gate's freaking locked and you throw away the key for a reason. But there's still that potential for reconnection. But most people think of a boundary is let's just burn the bridge, burn the relationship, ghost them, hope they ghost us. And we never have to come in contact with that person again. I don't really think that that's a healthy boundary. Yeah. That's just me personally. And now there might be, again, there's always exceptions to the yeah. rule. There, there might, might be, be somebody, you, do need somebody you need to burn that bridge and maybe remove them permanently from your life. I get that. Yeah. But I would say the majority in the rule is don't burn the bridge. Maybe think about the fence. How big is the fence? That's up to you and the situation and what's involved. Um, and always be open to eventually having some type of reconnection. I just really do believe in that. Yeah, I really sure. do. 
because family is important. We're not saying that family is not important, but we also know that family is kind of where these roots of traumas have been created. Certain types of relationships, certain relationships maybe that were outside of the family that were allowed because of the family. And so again, we're not telling you to just, oh yeah, like burn all these bridges. No, you can set up some fences, but you better be doing the work inside that fence because family is important and it is important to have each other's back. But at the same time, there might be a season where you need to grow in order to have each other's back. Because yeah, if that person, Aunt Susie, I always use Aunt Susie. I don't know why. I don't even have an Aunt Susie. Yeah. But if Aunt Susie is is the reason for why you always go to your dark place, it's not Aunt Susie's issue. Because you can't change other people, but you can change yourself. And so yeah, set up a boundary for a season. But hopefully, eventually, you're working on yourself to no longer have those boundaries in people. Yeah, I love that. So we've talked a little bit about dysfunction in family. Let's switch it up a little bit to talk about intentionally creating a healthy family. Yeah. Because I think you would want that as our listener. Hopefully, that's what ultimately you want in family is to be healthy, to be um, not uh, not striving, but really thriving as a family unit. And I think one of the things that really helped me was getting very intentional around four or five things that I want our family to be known for or by. Hmm. Um, and you can come up with these on your own. This is just what I came up yeah. with. Of course, you, of course with, you know me, I'm a big acronym guy. Yeah. Anytime I preach, it has to be an alliteration. It has to be some type of step one, two, three. And honestly, not just for other people, I'm going to be honest, whenever I come up with those, it's not just so, oh, well, people understand and take it because you know this as well as me. People forget 99% of everything that we say. <laughs> they might remember a story, an illustration, um, but it's for me to help me preach through it with less yeah. notes, to yeah. be honest. That's why I do it. I but it. I do have a uh, um, uh, an acronym. It's kind of our a family code, if you will. Yeah. These are the intentional things that we've put in place in our life that we, and I say we as in the Bannett family, my immediate family, Mel, I, and my four sons. This is what we want to be known for. And it's simply B-A-N-E-T. It's B is be where your feet are. Like I want to be, and this is really for me more than the other five people in my family. Yeah. Like I want to be present. I want them to be present whenever we're having a discussion, when we're eating a meal together, whatever. Like I want them to be where their feet are. Like let's be in the moment. Let's talk. Let's talk about our day. Let's talk about the issue and, and not just think about tomorrow. Don't think about the homework you have later. Don't think about that girlfriend you want to have over later, which is the season that I'm in right now. My <laughs> oldest has his first girlfriend and, um, you can pray for Shannon. Yeah. Please pray for me and that. I guess you could say that even that B though was instilled to you based on what you shared earlier, that your favorite memory with your family, with your parents is that they were there for you. Yeah. They were there. They were present. I love yeah, that. I love that. So be where your feet are. The A was always show respect. I want to instill in my boys like every single person they meet has value they have worth and I truly believe that I preach that and so it's a part of being inclusive I don't want them to be exclusive for people I want them to just show respect so whether that's a peer a teacher a coach no matter what it is I don't want our family to be known as a bunch of disrespectful punks like even mm -hmm. myself included like I want us to be very respectful the end is just to never give up I don't want to instill in my boys the attitude that it's okay to quit. Um, so if they start something, they're going to finish something, whether that's a project, whether that's a, um, you know, whatever, uh, a job, um, a team, a sport, like they're going to, they're going to see it, see it through. And then E, this is really something that I think Mel and I struggle with, but we're trying to get better. The E is everyone contributes. 
everyone contributes something. So whether that's Mel and I, when we're doing chores all the way down to Jude, who's eight, nine years old, like he's going to have responsibility in this family to contribute something. Cause I think a, a lot of times this is what I've seen in people in general, like we could be very selfish and self-centered and we think someone else will do it and we can just not worry about it. But when everybody has the mentality, well, no, everybody's going to contribute something, even if it's small, like right, many hands make light work. And so we're just all going to contribute no matter what it is. And then the last one is just simply think positive. And I know life happens, um, chaos happens, negative circumstances just happen. It's called life. Jesus said, we'll experience it. But no matter what, I want me, Mel, and our boys to have this mindset that no matter what it is, we're going to think positive. We're going to spin it in a positive way because, right, nothing in life is a failure. It's a learning opportunity. And I truly am trying to live that out. It's hard at times, but I want to instill in my boys to, to think positive. So for me, that's just my family code. You can come up with whatever it is. It doesn't have to be an acronym, but I know you followed this out too, right? And you have, you, you well, got one of, less letter. Kind of. Well, so <laughs> then I got. that was really inspiring. Honestly, when you came up with that, I was like, oh, I got to come up with a, an acronym. So I did come up with an acronym. Actually, I did for this show. I've never taught my kids this and we don't live by this. Okay. Our family code is two, two rules. We have two rules <laughs> in our family and they're this. And, I, and every single morning I drop my kids off at school. We go through the same thing. I've, I think I've shared it on this yeah. podcast. I say, who are you? They say, we're, we're rice. And I said, what are rices? Scarlet is obsessed with princesses. So they're supposed to say kings and queens, but it's and princesses. So kings and queens and princesses. Even Henry says it. It's hilarious. And then I say, what, what, do, what do they do? And they, they say, uh, show honor and be fun. Those are the only two rules that we have in our family because anything else that you could even say, even the Bannock Code, yeah. can fall under those two things. Like, hey, are you showing honor to somebody right now? And are you being fun? Like when Scarlett starts whining, it's like, hey, are you being fun right now? You got to change your attitude. Yeah. Because that's, yeah. those yeah, when are you our contribute, two. you're honoring everyone else. When you never give up, that, that's showing, giving yep. honor to yourself. Yep. Like, so yeah, we have I two, like two rules. They know that show honor, be fun. If you were to ask my kids randomly, if you see them at church, say, Hey, Scarlett, Henry, what, what are the two rules of the rice household? They'll, they'll say show honor and be fun. I came up with the acronym though, the RICE. Let's just go through it real quick. Yeah. Respect, independence, compassion, and empathy. We don't say these things, but these are things that Julie and I are, are trying to instill in our kids. And we share that because, hey, maybe it is an acronym for your family. Maybe it's just a couple of rules. Yeah. We would love for you guys. Maybe it's a mission statement for yeah, your family. Maybe it's a mission. We would love for you guys to create one. Go talk with your spouse or significant other. And then when we post this podcast, uh, why don't you write that in the comments? Like, yeah, we came up with a family code. Cool. Or text us individually or email us. You can have that online because we'd be really encouraged by that to hear. Yeah. And I think it's just an intentionality piece. Hey, yeah. this is what we want to be known for because if you don't do things like this, I, I find that there's a tendency to just kind of float sometimes through life because yep. you have work, you have responsibility, you come home and you're around family. And sometimes you just want to chill, like chill out, not do much, not have much in place. And man, you can have a lot of time just escape you yeah. when you live unintentionally. I love that. And so we came up with three questions. Actually, as we close this episode, these are questions to ask your spouse or your significant other in regards to your family, it can be extended, it can be current, it can be individual, but here are those three questions. Number one, what are three things that you appreciated about me this week? Yeah, number two is, what is an expectation you had that didn't get met this week? 
And number three is what are some issues or frustrations you don't know how to address? And I promise you, if you ask these questions, uh, it might take you some time to answer them, but at least you'll be thinking in this direction. It's what are three things that you appreciated about me this week? What is an expectation you had that didn't get met? And then what are some issues or frustrations that you don't know how to address? And the conversations that will come from these three questions, I believe, and we believe will be extremely helpful for you going forward yeah. in your family. And I think that second question that I talked about is, I'm not going to say one's more important than the other, but I know that one specifically for me in my situation, because I know I'll just throw myself under the bus. I can live out my week and maybe Mel had a certain expectation of me, or maybe I had an expectation of Melanie, some things she was going to get done or do or accomplish. And I never shared those expectations with her. And so then I'm sitting there frustrated. She's like, what's wrong with you? I can tell you're in a funk talk to me about it. And when it gets to that point, like, I don't want to say a word, like, mm -hmm. let me just sit in my feelings and be all mad and pissed off right now because there was an unmet expectation that, you know, that, that you didn't walk out. Mm -hmm. And so I think whenever they're shared, they're addressed. Hey, did you have an expectation of me this week? Did I, did I, was I supposed to do something or you thought I was going to, and I just didn't, maybe I forgot. Maybe I intentionally didn't do it mm -hmm. to tick you off. <laughs> I don't know oh, what it, no. but, but hopefully those conversations just happen. Um, and I think as they do, I think that's answering like these three questions, I think yeah. will help tremendously into creating that like healthy family environment. Yeah. It's not fair to be frustrated because of an expectation that you did not communicate. Yeah. And so Good. again, this conversation around family, it's really just, okay, having an expectation for your family code and then instilling that having an expectation about boundaries and communicating it. All of these conversations that we've been having around these five F's are really just getting more comfortable with sharing your expectations. Yep, communication. So if this episode blessed you at all, um, share it with someone. And if you're um, married or living with a significant other and they do not listen to the podcast, this would be a perfect time for do you it. to share it for the very first time, this podcast, so that they can listen and you can have great conversation this week. Heck yeah. So know as always, you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it.